please turn in your Bibles to James 3.17. We're going to look at the life of Ulrich Zwingli, a contemporary of Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon. And we want to look at the idea of peaceable. Someone who is peaceable strives for unity with other believers. He doesn't like tension. He understands there will always be tension, but he's peaceable and he strives for unity with other believers. James 3.17 says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Well, the heroes of the faith in church history have made many mistakes and have blundered, just like the heroes of the faith. In scripture. I'm so thankful that the scripture does not hide the mistakes and flaws and warts of the great men and women. And we see that the same in church history. In the life of Ulrich Zwingli, we can see and we can learn as much from his errors as we can from his successes. Well, Ulrich Zwingli was not born in Germany like our two previous characters. Instead, Ulrich Zwingli was born in Switzerland on New Year's Day, 1484, seven weeks after Martin Luther. His parents had nine children. And they raised their nine children to love the Catholic faith and to appreciate music. Zwingli could play six instruments, including the flute, violin, and harp. Now, we're going to find out later this man died in battle. You don't picture... This fighting man as playing the flute and harp. But these guys, they were gentlemen. And they were gifted. Caleb, don't stop practicing your instruments. This little guy over here in Sushako, you keep on practicing that trumpet and guitar every day as we're telling you to. This man could play the instruments. And he learned to read his Bible in Greek and Hebrew. And from his Bible, he began to see that Scripture is supreme. And salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Two things that the Catholic Church denied. Well, beginning at age 22, he served as a priest for many years. Until he was converted about the age of 30. In my study of the men in church history, it has surprised me at how many of the great men actually started somewhat late. 
I think it was Hooper. We don't know anything about his life until his 50s. He's like a hero of the faith. I look at my life now and see so few things I have done for Christ. And men like this give me some encouragement that they weren't even converted until age 30. Does that mean this man was converted before Luther? If he was converted at 30, Luther would have been mm. 34 or so? Yeah, okay. uh, Luther got his doctorate at age 32, so I think he was converted in his 20s. Yeah, so Luther was before that. And even as a spiritual leader, he continued to battle sin. Again, Zwingli had flaws. And he sometimes failed miserably. Just before his 35th birthday, he became the preacher in the great cathedral in Zurich. And Zurich was the largest city in Switzerland. And the people loved his preaching. And one of the reasons that they loved his preaching is because he did something somewhat unusual compared to the, especially the priests in the Catholic Church and even the Protestants. And that is, he preached books of the Bible verse by verse. Every Friday, he preached through the Psalms in the marketplace. Soon after arriving in Zurich, the plague broke out in the city. And as a faithful pastor, he visited and cared for the sick until he too fell ill. Now you have to remember, this, this is the plague that's just wiping out entire towns. This is not, there's a sickness and 0.5% of the population are dying. This is a situation in which 2,500 people died of the plague in Zurich alone, which was one-third of the population. Zwingli wondered if he would survive, and he was planning that he too would die of the plague. And he began to write what he called plague hymns. Plague hymns were poems asking God for help. For as he wrote, he could hear death's knock. And quote, death is at hand. Back then, if you were about to die, you wrote hymns asking God for help. Amazing. Well, the Lord spared his life. And Zwingli continued preaching and his Popularity grew even more, especially because of his constant attacks against the corruption in the Catholic Church. In 1522, at age 38, he secretly married. This is similar to Theodore Beza. We haven't covered Beza yet, but Beza was the uh, follower of Kelvin. He succeeded Kelvin. And because the church would not allow their priests to marry, he had to do this in secret. Lawson, go quiet those puppies down. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) 
Lasser, when I tell you to do something, you do it immediately. I appreciate that. I mean, that was, you did that in one second. The next year, he wrote his 67 theses, not as well known as the 95 theses. He wrote the 67 theses, which were similar to Luther's 95, in which he was attacking the false teaching of Rome. Some of his statements in the 67 theses include, good works cannot save sinners, purgatory doesn't exist, and Christ, not the Pope, is the head of the church. He continued to serve as a pastor and then the leader of the Swiss Reformation in Switzerland, but he died early at the age of 47. What could have this man done had he not died so early? Why did he die early? Well, he fought as a private soldier for the Protestants against the Catholics. During the battle, he he served as a chaplain, and during the battle, the enemy stabbed him with a spear, and as he lay bleeding beside this pear tree, the Catholic soldiers run up to him, and they demand that he confess his sins. To a priest. And he refused. And so the Catholics responded by killing him with a sword. Crying, die stubborn heretic. Then they burned his body. Mixed the ashes with the ashes of pigs. And threw them to the wind. That day in battle, Zwingli's wife lost her husband, her son, her brother, her son-in-law, her brother-in-law, and several friends. She wept bitterly, but she did not curse God. Was Zwingli a good example of a peaceable spirit? Well, I think the answer is yes and no. I think we can learn two principles from Zwingli when it comes to being peaceable. He was a good example, and he was also a bad example. Sadly, he was not a model of peace with the Anabaptists. The word Anabaptist Anabaptist It means to baptize again. So in that sense, we would all be Anabaptists. It refers to the 16th century reformers and their followers that rejected baptizing infants. They only baptized those who trusted in Jesus Christ and would even re-baptize new converts as we would Do in our churches as well. This was contrary to the common thinking of the day. Not just among the Catholics. But also among true Christian reformers. Like Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli. At first Zwingli spoke to the Anabaptists privately. But was unable to persuade them from scripture. And the law then demanded that they leave the country. That is the Anabaptists leave the country. And when they refused... They went to jail and then endured terrible persecution. Thousands of courageous Baptists, including women, 
were burned at the stake or beheaded. The nation executed some by drowning, too, tying their hands and throwing them overboard, saying, If you want to dip your children, we'll dip you too. It's not clear if Zwingli approved of these executions, but he did little to stop them. In this case, Zwingli, a bad example of peaceable. However, though Zwingli failed to bring peace among his fellow Christians regarding baptism, he did seek peace with Martin Luther on a different matter of a disagreement, and that matter was the Lord's table. Zwingli believed that when Jesus said, this is my body, what Jesus meant was that the bread and the cup are primarily pictures of his death. Now this is so interesting because Luther, though he was the great reformer of the Protestant Reformation, old habits die hard. He was so entrenched into the Roman Catholic Church that even when he left it and called the Pope the Antichrist, he still carried on a part of transubstantiation, kind of a middle ground, and he called it consubstantiation. It's not transubstantiation, it's actually transformed, but... But there's more to it than a, a memorial, even Calvin's view, that there's a spiritual presence within it. He held strongly to that view. Luther believed there was a real sense in which the body and blood of Jesus was present in the Lord's Supper. And Luther and Zwingli talked and wrote and argued and met on this particular Area and they could not agree. And you might think this is such a small thing, this is such a small matter to argue about. But for Luther, it was a gospel issue. Luther refused to accept Zwingli and the Swiss Protestants as Christians. He called them heretics, and he refused, and he referred to Zwingli's books as the poison of the prince. Of hell. With tears in his eyes, Zwingli begged Luther to agree to disagree on this particular issue. He said, Let us go forward as brothers in Christ. But Luther refused. Well, we looked at the passage in James 3.17. Picture yourself as a scientist. And you're standing in a laboratory. A laboratory. With a white coat. Analyzing all the different parts of worldly wisdom. And you've got out your magnifying glass and you look closely and you find bitter jealousy in verse 14 if you're in James 3. And then you look a little bit closer and you see selfish ambition. And then you look a little bit further and you see lying and then you see confusion. And then you take your microscope and you observe not 
worldly wisdom, but you observe heavenly, godly wisdom. And you have it underneath the microscope. And you see first in verse 17 that it's pure, and then you see that it's peaceable. What does it mean to be peaceable? Well, it simply means that you love peace. We shun jealousy, and we shun pride, and we seek to fix broken relationships. And if we have broken relationships, we do all we can, kupatha marieta, to fix those relationships. Peacemakers are always looking for unity with fellow Christians. Jesus praises those who help people live at peace. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I think Zwingli was an example, at least with Luther, when it comes to seeking peace on an area of disagreement, especially in the Lord's table. Now, this does not mean that peace comes at any cost. Sometimes Christians need to separate from falsehood and sin. Sometimes peace is not possible. But if there cannot be peace, and you think even right now, think of someone that there is not peace with, between you and that particular person. If there cannot be peace, then make sure that you first try with all your might to bring unity. Scripture tells us to do all that we can to live at peace with everyone, Romans 12, 18. And then after that, we leave the results up to God. Well, who's the greatest example of peace? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. And this is because he made peace between sinners and a holy God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, the Bible says, Romans 5, 10. And so because of the cross of Christ and God's desire for unity, all sinners may have peace with him through the Lord Jesus Christ.